You're listening to At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. And welcome to this edition of At The Mic. I'm your host, Keith Malinak. My guest today has done quite a bit on TV, so I'm sure you've seen her before, whether she's giving you a tour of new homes, showing you the behind the scenes of the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders, or hanging out with Chad Prather on The Blaze TV. Her name is Natalie Woods Stanier, and we sat down, talked about all of those things and more, like her involvement with the NFL draft. Oh, I'm so jealous. And someone actually played her in a movie once. Can you believe that? My conversation with Natalie Woods Stanier starts right now on At The Mic. Natalie, how are you doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. For everybody out there, uh, everybody knows the way I met you was through Chad Prather. That's right. And I that's, don't think everybody knows. Everybody knows? Nah. They, oh, they'll know. Soon but I, I do know you through Chad Prather. Yes, yeah, that's where we met. And you do the news for Chad, right? I mean, right. you kind of go through news headlines, stuff like that. Yeah. Right? I actually started as a, a guest on his show. Um, and then after that, we all, a big group of us went to dinner and he's like, hey, would you be interested in doing, kind of like being my Robin to, okay, you know, Howard Stern. Okay. So you kind of bring the news and then, because nobody's really tuning in to hear my opinion. Nobody cares. Right. They tune in to hear Chad's opinion. Well, so I kind of bring the news and it's it's been so much fun. I've had a blast and I've learned a lot. That's what I want to ask you. How did you and Chad meet in order for you to become a guest and get the gig and all that stuff? Where did you guys originally meet? I can't tell you. What I'm just kidding. Wait, that, that's the whole point of sitting down and having a conversation. I can't tell you. No, oh. we met um, last year, a year ago at SHOT Show, the gun show in Vegas. And we had a mutual friend who introduced us, and we we all had so much fun there. I had a blast with him and Steve Powell, Party Fowl, and Steve Helms. Just a great time. My friend Ashley, and uh, that's how we met originally, that's in cool. Vegas. Okay. Very good. I mean, so most people that live in Texas just kind of meet in Texas, but you had to leave the state to go and meet someone else from Texas. Kind yeah, of and I already knew who he was. Oh, that's from, awesome. I did, and from his kind of rants in his truck or whatever, and mm-hmm. he really, I appreciated it because he he says what we're all thinking, yeah. but we're all afraid to say. <laughs> there you go. There you go. He is Texas. He and, is. And, and you were born in Texas, right? Born and raised, I think? Uh, yes, I was born in Temple, Texas, which is very central Texas, and mm-hmm. I grew up in Conroe, which is near, just north, about 45 minutes of Houston. Yep, I'm Not, very familiar, because I used to live over there in spring, kind of I area. was a lifeguard at Splashtown. Do you remember that place? I don't think we ever got there. Um, what? There's we, a water park there called Splashtown. When we lived there, we didn't have kids at the time. And uh, so, you were a kid when I was, like, there. <laughs> Okay. I mean, I could have been your lifeguard and saved your life. I probably did. I, you know what? I'm not that... I I think technically I can't swim. Well, that's probably why I saved your life. That's probably why you would have <laughs> in another time uh, saved my life. Yeah. Yes. Um, my grandmother lived in spring. That's right cool. by where the Goodyear blimp used to be. What a small world. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, I tell people I lived in spring. I technically still lived in Houston city limits. Oh, okay. Got it. And it's a nasty area. So, uh, were you like 1960 area? Oh, FM 1960. I thought yes. you were asking what year I was there. Sorry, yeah. no, FM, FM 1960. So you go on 45? Yeah. You turn left on FM 1960. You're, you're putting your makeup on. I want to point out that uh, in the middle of me trying to explain, <laughs> you know, where I live here in Houston, where I used to live, on FM 1960, Natalie decided it was time to uh, apply her makeup. Like, I mean, am I, I think you have secret cameras in here. Am and I already, I'm trying to look good. Am I already that boring? Hang on, that reminds me. Um, everybody that sits down, and does one of these interviews with me. Actually, I take a picture of them while we're doing the interview. Yeah. That's, I yeah. just said, yeah. I bet yeah. you have cameras. Yeah. And so, oh no. So you're going to get an angry Natalie and then a fake, uh, you'll get a fake smiling uh, And then Natalie. a duck face. Uh, yeah. Let me finish putting uh, my mask on. Okay, t- okay, I'll tell We were talking about me being from Conroe, yeah. Spring. Spring, FM 1960. So, so you know who the hospital is? At FM yes, 1960? 100%. I lived at the end of that street where these nasty, gross apartments are. Okay. Do you remember the Steak and Ale at 1960 and I-45? I didn't have the money to go to Steak and Ale. I mean, that's big time. Well, that's true. Okay. There's a Bennigan's next door to it. Okay. Well, I didn't have the money to go to Bennigan's either. <laughs> we were young, man. Well, I didn't either, but I worked there. You worked there? And you get a discount. Like, you could get the salad bar for free, and Steak and Ale had really good salad bar. Oh, so that's cool. So 
I mean, you were a waitress, right? Or I no? was a hostess, and You're then they host- did make me a waitress, but I kind of sucked oh. as a. Did you did you mess up people's orders and stuff? I I was not good with the alcohol. What do you mean? You I didn't good? drink it. I'm just um, well, steak and ale was pseudo fancy, and so you're when they ordered like a bottle of red wine. Uh huh. You're supposed to open it. At the table. Oh, no. <laughs> and you were in the back, uh, what, sniffing it or something? No, or I was just trying to open it, and it was awful. Anyway, oh. I just wasn't a very good waitress, but I was a good hostess. I love to greet people. and Oh, that's good. Yeah, and I, and I lifeguard. I did save lives. How many lives did you save? A lot. Did you save more lives? I saved at, yours. At, no, you didn't. Yes, We've I never did. never met until. I saved yours. I know I did. You. I probably, never even went to that splash town. Yes, you did. And you probably didn't even wear your floaties, and you should have. And I, I went have. in for you. Yeah, I don't recall in the this wave pool. Didn't happen. Uh, so, did you save more lives at the Splashtown or at the uh, Bennigans? Steak and ale. Uh, steak and ale. Uh, Sorry. No, See? at Splashtown. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Totally. I'm just making sure. Yes. You know, born in Temple, mm-hmm. grew up in Conroe. Conroe. Did you go to school in the state? I did. And by the way, I love Conroe. I'm so proud to say I'm from that city. It's okay. a great city. Great lake. Great people. If I could live in Conroe yep. or the Woodlands, which is up there as well, yep, and never, ever, ever have to go down into the city of Houston, that would be the only way to, to live there because I just... No, I'm no fan of Houston. Absolutely right. I, I agree. Yeah, Conroe has it has everything you need anyway. Uh-huh. So does the Woodlands. Montgomery now even has everything you need in those cities. That's... So. But I actually ended up going to um, a small school called Panola College. Okay. It's in Carthage, Texas. Where's Carthage? I've heard of that town. It is East Texas. It's okay. probably about a f- maybe 30, 40-minute drive to Shreveport. Oh, wow. So it's real east. Way up there. Mm -hmm. And I love that place. And boy, do I have some great stories about Uh Panola College in Carthage. Well, that works out because we're sitting down to talk about stories and stuff. And maybe you can share some. Oh, good. I will. I have a fun one. I finished (laughs) um, at Stephen F. Austin State University with a a communications degree, radio, television, minor in journalism. All right. All right. Yeah. And uh, I was kind of an East Texas girl. I loved it. My big, probably the biggest story that came out of Carthage, I think, ever that's a that is a very oil rich town. There's a lot of money in Carthage. Uh-huh. They're sitting on some oil there. It's yeah. just it's it's famous. There is a movie called Bernie. Do you remember that movie? It's with Jack Black. Oh no, Shirley MacLaine. No, I know Weekend at Bernie's, but no, it's not the no, no, same no. Thing. This is different. It's okay. it's kind of a dark comedy, if you will, but it is 100 percent true. It's just called Bernie. B-E-R-N-I-E. So it's Shirley MacLaine, Jack Black, Matthew McConaughey. Okay. And it is a true story about a, a man named Bernie who befriends a oil heiress um, in the town after he, he was a mortician. Bernie was a mortician and actually helped handle her husband's funeral. Okay. They became fast friends after that. Now, Marjorie was m- much older. She was very frail probably in her 80s I said mm-hmm. I don't know even know how old she was but Bernie took kind of took care of her and he, and she loved him so much that she made him power of attorney oh no she gave him everything oh no yeah that's and, always a warning flag when you when someone's telling you a story and she made him power of attorney she oh, made him no. I know oh. medical I mean she I'm she just she really trusted him and was going honestly though Keith she was going to leave everything to him I mean that's oh. just they had that kind of relationship Traveled the world together. They went to Egypt. I mean, you name it, they went places. Everybody wow. knew of their of this friendship, and I think it was just a friendship. Um, however, oh no. Anyway, n- at one point, nobody really knew where Marjorie was, but he would say she was here, she was there, she didn't feel well. But anyway, nine after that, she after she went missing. Nine months later, that the police found her in her deep freeze. Oh no. He had shot her and put her in her deep freeze and she stayed there for nine months. No. And the only person, the only reason they really found her finally was because of her um, stockbroker. He's like, I have not talked to Marjorie in nine months. Something's not right. Something's got to give. So my tie to that is somebody plays me in the movie. Somebody plays you in a movie? Yes, I know. Not Charlie McClain. But wait, hold on. Wait, how are you? Because in this it was movie? my life. So Bernie, when I was there at Panola, he was an uh, integral part of Panola College and all of the. I did a lot of musicals there. Um, West Side Story. Yep. Guys and Dolls. Yeah. All that showboat. 
he was in all those musicals with me and he was my vocal coach. Oh no. So I was um, with him all, I mean, we were all with him as students with him all the time. Honestly, he was very effeminate, very, Mm -hmm. he was the local Methodist church uh, music minister. Okay. And my lat, we took, I took a trip with him because we actually got to sing at Carnegie Hall, which is really great. So I got to go to New York, sing at Carnegie Hall. And while we were there, I remember just one moment where I had kind of a, she was already in the, on ice at this point. We had no idea. Ugh. We really had no idea. But I remember him kind of not snapping at me, but we were driving around in a limo because he had rented it. He had taken us to see four Broadway musicals, all orchestra seating. He'd taken the whole group. But that night I said, this all must have cost so much money. I'm so thankful that you did this for all of us because we were all poor college kids. Uh-oh. And I just remember him kind of, it's the most assertive he's ever been to me. He looked at me and he said, don't say that because you never know when it's going to be gone. <sighs> and I was like, ooh, that's not, that's not Bernie's personality. Anyway, got back from the trip, got a call from the mayor. It's a small town. The mayor calls me and says, hey, I'm looking for, he's looking for my friend Eric Couch. I said, he's probably over at Bernie's because they were all friends. He said, he's not over at Bernie's. We need to find him because Bernie's just been arrested for the murder of Marjorie Nugent. And he's confessed. Which, I mean, in this small town, you know, it's like a little in the heat of the night. It was was deep. (laughs) So anyway, that's my my tie. Bernie's still alive? Yeah. Serving time still? He is in prison. However, a few years ago, um, some new evidence was either the prosecution blocked or the defense never presented for whatever reason, there was some childhood, I think, abuse that had happened to him that they felt should have been brought up. So there was a time when Bernie actually got out. So he was actually out for a while. He had very strict rules, no social media, no, you know, really no contact with anybody other than doing a job. However, yeah. I think it was retried, and he's now back okay, in prison. Okay. He's back in. <clears throat> so. Wow. So you were, um, I guess, in close quarters with a murderer. For quite a while then. I was, but I really didn't. I mean, none of us had, we really had no clue because he was, again, he was so effeminate. We just, we thought he couldn't hurt a fly. I'll check out that movie. You have to watch that movie. It is so well done. Okay. Have to. I mean, I got it. I mean, you're, you're. And when you, you see, make a commission off of it every time it gets viewed, no, right? no, nobody even knows. Like I claim to be dancer number four. Oh, so there's how this old scene, is this? So movie? there's this scene. Where he's working with the local theater, that's Panola College. That was us. Where he's working with him, and then Marjorie calls him. Oh. Calls uh, Jack Black. So he's working with us, and then when you see that, just know that that's our group. Dancer number four. Dan- uh, that's what I... Dancer number two. Dancer number one, whichever one. But you want to be number four? Whatever. Okay. I don't care. All right. Just making sure. When I watch the movie, I'm like, hey, I know. Dan- Dan- Dancer, right there. Dancer number four. Let's just stick with four. Four. I like it. So uh, when that movie come out? Uh, that movie probably came out six years ago. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. After college, you got an internship in TV. I did. Right? I was at WFAA Channel 8 right here mm. in Dallas, Texas. Yeah, very cool. And I loved it. I worked with the investigative reporting department, and it was great. And I think when I started with Channel 8, we had probably nine interns, maybe 10 okay. interns that started. With, by the time that internship was over, we ended with it was myself and another intern. Oh, no. Everybody else had quit. Was it not fun? Um, I, I, no, I loved it. It was great. I think that you know how every generation, like, oh, those millennials are all you know, they're they're lazy. I think every generation gets tagged with that when they're in their twenties. Hmm. They just do. Gener- I think Generation X did as well, hmm. and so. Yeah. They may have lived up to a little bit of that yeah. <laughs> because they all just quit, wow. or maybe they realize it wasn't their passion. Well, I don't know. I mean, it was, was your so your you loved your internship, right? Loved it. I, I mean, I wonder if some of these people that quit had an internship similar to mine. It was with the ABC affiliate as well, but it was in Lincoln, Nebraska, and it was over the course of a summer in college. And literally, all they had me do was just log tapes. That's all I, I logged had to do. a lot of tape. I mean that. That, I didn't quit. I mean, I did the whole internship. You still did it. But it was just so bad. It was well, not only did I have to log tape, but when they needed a, a, a particular court case, they would send me to a courthouse to go get that information. So that I been walked. Fun. I would have loved to have gone and done errands like that. You would have. Okay, I walked a lot yeah. in downtown Dallas. Um, hmm. A lot to a lot of courthouses to get that stuff for Brett Ship or... Valerie Williams or Robert Riggs, whoever was there. Well, just know that when the ABC affiliate in Lincoln, Nebraska needed footage 
of the third string running back uh, running the ball off the right hand side. You found it. Yeah, I've, I've, they 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 they're looking up stuff. You time coded it. Yeah. They found they found the Virginia Tech Nebraska bowl game footage that that some uh, unpaid intern logged. In I can't the believe 90s. you're not doing that again. Like still. And logging tapes. Yeah, sure. Why not? No, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. But uh, <laughs> if you were that good at it, you know, maybe they start paying you minimum wage. Wow. My internship was not paid either. Uh huh. As well. well so. But it sounds like it was fun. It is free labor. It is free labor. But I did learn a lot. Did you learn a lot or do you feel no. like you just... No, you didn't. Not okay, at all. it sucked. I okay. sat in an editing bay logging tapes. I feel like they took advantage of you. Then. Absolutely. 100%. And their weatherman back then, he was a jerk too. Ugh. At least the WFAA weathermen are cool. Yeah. Twitter, they, you know. Yes. Yeah. So you were an intern there. What was the next step in your career and your story there? Yeah, so in a roundabout way, I actually ended up at my first job was at KVU ABC in Austin. Okay. That is not a rookie spot for uh, a a green reporter, but I did land there. Uh-huh. And that's kind of like drinking from a fire hose. I mean, because I was, I was in the Capitol uh-huh. covering stuff I'd never covered before, being live on camera, and I had never done that. But were you up on... An- enough of the news and current events to know what you were talking about on camera? Or were you just reading a script or what? No, no. I, I went and got the stories. Uh-huh. So and you, you knew what you I'd, were doing. Well, no. I, I wouldn't <laughs> say that. Um, I would say that I was as green and it was it was one of those things where I adopted you fake it till you make it. Yes. Like they would tell me, hey, we need you to go to the sheriff's office and interview the PIO. And I'm like, what is a PIO? Uh-huh. I have no idea what a PIO is, and I had to figure that out. And, and you, it, it, you didn't have a smartphone no. to Google. No smartphone. We, yes, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I, I would somehow finagle and get, you know, oh, public information officer, the go-to <laughs> person that you. So anyway, I was I was green. Okay. But I mean, they but you had fun. I did have fun. They were patient with me as much as they could be. Um, they probably eventually would have fired me if I hadn't found another job back in Dallas. <laughs> uh, well, what was your favorite story to cover there as a green reporter? What was the Okay, thing this you... my most memorable story that okay. I ever covered. Cuz they they also put me on the commissioner's beat, like commissioner's court. I mean, what the hell is that? You know, like I don't even know what that is, but they put me on there cuz they're like, "All right, let's let this rookie handle something that's not as hard hitting." Uh-huh. However, one of my favorite stories I ever did, there is a lake that kind of goes through it's all part of the lower colorado river authority okay it was called town lake i think they've renamed it to ladybird lake not sure but it was town lake when i was there (laughs) awesome yeah and people it's a very austin's a very earthy place like very granola well said earthy yes (laughs) they love they're very outdoorsy athletic working out Uh and growing hair under their in their armpits so i was there (laughs) Covering a story about people who would run with their dogs around the lake, and then the dogs would poop, and people weren't cleaning it up. Oh, see, now that's not cool. Right. And then that poop would slip into the... Into I love how the microphone, all the peas keep popping. The poop. The poop would slip into the lake. Oh, no. And it would, it would contaminate the lake. Gross. And people, you know, were in that lake being active like swimming oh no. i got to do a story about poop sliding into town lake and i'm telling you it was my favorite story that i ever did and it was such a funny story that the photographer and i put together because she was mad that w- my photographer that was with me was mad that we had to do the story mm-hmm. i actually was like we're about to own this we went and bought a fish tank and just had so much fun with this story with yeah okay poop. so has it made it to YouTube? No, but it, they re-aired it several times on the station because it made everybody laugh so hard. They played it the next morning at the meeting because it just, it ended up being I a really fun, ex, kind of just cheesy but fun story about, you know, keeping Austin beautiful. Can you use your connections down there and get get it put on YouTube? Can somebody at W, what, V-U-E? What K-V-U-E. K-V-U-E. I wonder, you know, <laughs> do those tapes even exist anymore? I mean, of that was course. back with like SD. Yeah, because they had an intern <laughs> that logged all this stuff you. that they could go and do. <laughs> okay, this is this is where it pays off. Stuff yes. like that. 
Oh, okay. I do need to find that story. Yes, yes. All right, so you were down there how long? Because you got back to Dallas at some point. I was there for a year. I moved here June 2001. Got it. And then September 11th happened. Mm-hmm. So I, do, I remember, that's kind of ingrained in my brain. Sure. You know, because I, had I been a reporter in Austin still, you know I would have been parked outside the Capitol yeah. or the governor's mansion or something like that. Remember Jenna and Barbara Bush were both in college. One was at UT. I'm not sure which one. Mm. But that was big news yeah. when 9-11 happened. Absolutely. Where, you know, where are they? Oh, where are the daughters? I yeah. remember one story uh, coming out of that. Do you remember this? They were in one of the, one at UT, because I think the other one maybe went to Yale. I don't, maybe Stanford. I don't know. Anyway, one of them was at the, in the class and at the Secret Service rushed in and came and got her I and left with her. And I think took her to wherever the safe area mm-hmm. is. Could you imagine being a student in that class with her? I'd be like, I don't know where she's going, and but again, I'm not staying here. And again, smartphones, not a thing. No, not you know? a, not an, you, we weren't getting notified that way. Right. So I just couldn't imagine being a, a student at, in a class and having the first daughter rushed out. And no. You're thinking, I'm going with her. Right, right. Yeah, I'm following them. Right. So did a job bring you back to Dallas? Yes. Or? So I joined a company called, it's Crozier and Henderson Productions, but they produce Hot on Homes, which is a new home television show. Uh-huh. It airs on ABC. Um, and I, I joined in 2001, and I've been there almost 20 years. That's wild. Nice job. It is a great <clears throat> It is a great and neat show about the hottest new homes, new home communities in the greater Dallas-Fort Worth area. It expanded. We even opened a show in Austin, San Antonio, Oklahoma City. Um, Very cool. It, we opened it in several markets, Phoenix, in Florida, in D.C., in Vegas. It's been really neat to watch that company explode um, and to be a part of it. So I've gotten to host. I've had a chance to host Hot On for almost 20 years. That's great. So you have been at the... At the front lines of like the housing collapse in 2008, right? So 2008 happened, and that's when Vegas, D.C., Florida, Phoenix, that all went away. Oh. I mean, all of our vans that we had expanded and exploded out to all these markets drove right back to Dallas, Texas, because oh. because of what was it called, the Big Short? <laughs> yeah, the market collapsed, and yeah, a lot well, of- I, boy, that was that was so eye awakening because you know I know that. The banks were a catalyst for that, but so was the home building industry uh-huh. and or home ownership. They were giving everybody a home, yep. and then they were putting them on these balloon mortgages, mortgages yeah. that you know ended up exploding. And it just it it mm-hmm. wasn't feasible, and there was no way to sustain that for a long period of time. So everybody that I talked to that was much more tenured <laughs> than I was said they had never seen a downturn like that. That wow. was that was a uh, something. To experience now, I will say being a part of Hot On, which is a marketing company for new home builders, I was watching our new home builders go bankrupt or just go away. Mm-hmm. Period. Because of this, not necessarily some of these builders it was their fault. It just because of the economy, nobody was buying, yep. nobody was selling, mm-hmm. everybody was terrified. They just couldn't sustain keeping their doors open. You know, I was watching all of that happen for Hot On Homes as a marketing company to have kept its doors open through all of that. I think speaks a lot to the credibility and the integrity of the owners at mm. that company. Um, I mean, there were times when I was watching them give grace to some of these home builders, like, hey, we can't pay our bill this month, or we can't. And they, they worked with them. And That's I, cool. so there's a way to pull together to try to survive something like that. But that was, that was ugly. You've had other jobs. I think your travels have taken you to Colorado. You did something with like, uh, I don't know, like a camp or something, like a camp girls. I was camp a camp counselor. Camp counselor. There yes, I you. was. Um, it was a camp called Eagle Lake up in the Pikes Peak National Forest. Oh, cool. And hmm. a little fun fact, I spent an entire summer up there in a tent. Oh, no. With, thank with, you. with 13 and 14 year olds. Definitely no thank you. I know. And. Oh. You know, up there when you're that when you're when you're up that high in elevation, yeah, in elevation, you give up snakes. There's not a lot of snakes, but you get bears, and so oh, no. yeah, that was not normal for a Texas girl. I had such cabin fever that that entire summer. I just wanted to see a stoplight. Like <laughs> it was <laughs> that was a whole new world, but oh. it was wonderful. And then I ended up becoming a camp counselor back in Texas at a one of one of my favorite places on earth called Sky Ranch. Mm-hmm. It's a Christian camp in East Texas um, that has also expanded, 
but I spent three summers there. Absolutely loved it. So you love the outdoors then? I do. Yeah. Okay. I do. I'm, I'm super active. It's hard to sit still for too long for me. <laughs> that's fine. While I should. Uh huh. Another job that you've had that's very unique, very awesome, is you were a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. I cheered for America's team. America's team. There you go. God bless America. <laughs> How good is that? So, yes. Now, this probably shows my age, but growing up near Houston, I was an Oilers fan, uh-huh. but, that, but I was always a Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders fan. You know, they uh-huh. had that made-for-TV movie. You may not know this because you're a dude, but they had a made-for-TV movie that I grew up watching as a little girl about Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders really? and making the team. Yes. I oh. loved it. What did that air on? TV. Good call. <laughs> Keep going. It wasn't even a movie. I mean, it was a movie, but it wasn't like in the movies. No, it was a show. You said it was a show. It was it was a movie. It was like a made-for-TV oh. movie, and I watched it. You can still find it. It's great. It is like seventies great. Oh, I was thinking when you said that. I was thinking it's like a current show or whatever. You're saying back in the day. Back when I was a little girl. Well, not that far back. My bad. Yeah, I mean, I was so young. <laughs> so I watched that show, and I always was a fan of the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. And then we, um, when I grew up. It's kind of on my bucket list to try out, um, but I actually, because I was so career-minded and you know trying to graduate from high school, go to college, graduate from college, get a job, become independent, trying out for the Dallas Cowboys Shirtlers just kind of had to go on the back burner while mm-hmm. I tried to become an independent woman. So that was always your goal, though, in the back of your mind? In the back of my mind. Like even when you were a kid in Houston? Yes. I'm going to be a Dallas Cowboys I wanted someday. to try out. I didn't okay. know if I would be that good uh-huh. to be able to do that, but... Um, you know, because I've always said this, you probably, Keith, cannot describe what a Minnesota Vikings cheerleader uniform looks like. Maybe you can. <laughs> no. You probably can get the colors. Got the colors, yeah. Okay. But I can promise you people in Minnesota can describe a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader's uniform. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, At least down to their stars. It's white, you know, a boots. vest. Yeah. White, white boots, right? White boots, yeah. Yes. See, I got something. <laughs> that's right. It. I think it's an iconic... Uniform, one of the most recognized in the world, and and and, and bef- I wanted to wear it. Uh, okay, but before you continue, it's got to be impossible, tough work uh, to be a cheerleader because it's not just look pretty and dance on the sideline. I'm gonna uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm gonna let you take the floor here and explain. But mm-hmm. everything I've ever heard about being a cheerleader and all that stuff, it's intense, like day and night, right? It is. It is day and night. It is mentally exhausting, physically exhausting spiritually exhausting. Mm. If you even for a second think that these girls aren't intelligent, you've already missed the the bus. These girls are well-spoken. They have to know the rules of football. They have to know current events because they're in, in front of the camera so often that the last thing that Jerry Jones or Kelly Finglass, or the choreographer, or sorry, the director, and Judy Trammell, the choreographer, want is for one of these girls to make them look like a, a bunch of dummies. Yeah, okay. Not so. acceptable. So they actually so are this, y'all quizzed on regular basis every on day. And stuff? There, this is a this is a probably three to four month arduous process of not only learning, um, you know, thirty five dances, doing the kick lines. Making sure you're staying healthy. I don't really want to say skinny because they're not. I don't think these are girls. These girls are truly athletes, mm-hmm. but they're they're a healthy weight. Um, maintaining their full their full time, part time, or stu- or students. They have to maintain that in real life. Some are parents. Um, you know, they're also having to stay up on current events. They're also having to make sure that they know what a safety is. You know, they have to know you know, what a running back does or what a wide receiver does. They Mm -hmm. have to know that stuff because if they get caught in an interview and they're just deer in the headlights, that's game over. Oh, boy. And you're cut. There is a show called Dallas Cowboys Shirlers Making the Team. Okay, that's what I was thinking of. Now, where does that air? So that airs on CMT. Okay, gotcha. Yes. That one is actually, this is breaking news. Oh, we got breaking news. Hold on. Breaking oh, news. Oh, maybe I'm not supposed to say it. Okay, don't pretend like I didn't say this. Okay. This isn't going to air for a while. I think they're picking up season 15. Oh, goody. I cannot confirm nor deny, but I believe they're picking up season 15. 15 years. 15 seasons of watching this, and it's still one of CMT's top-rated shows. Wow. Um, people want to watch that process. So it's a reality show. It's a reality show. Behind the scenes of making I actually the- think, I, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on a limb here. 
I think The Bachelor is a reality show because I think that is a that is a program created to make people watch. This is more of a documentary because the Dallas Cowboys thrillers have always been mm-hmm. way way before reality TV. I see. Yeah. Okay. And this is more kind of just watching what they do during that process. There's not there's not a lot of you know glitz and glamour making up stuff just for good TV. And there's not a lot of money in it either, is there? Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's money in it. When there's the D- Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys, I'm sure there's no, no, something no. negotiated. No, oh, no, no, for the girls, for the, for the cheerleaders. Oh themselves. no, 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 no. <laughs> when I cheered, it was fifty bucks a game oh. before taxes. Oh no. Yeah. No, no. And that was it. <laughs> but Keith, I signed up for that. I didn't. I would have. Yeah. I would have you know paid, what you're getting into. Well, I would have paid to be on the sidelines. To mm-hmm. be honest, don't tell them that. But I would have because it was the best seat in the house. And I think it was one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life was to be, you know, with America's team and America's sweethearts. And people didn't think that you could make it, right? Like you, you were, I guess, up there in years as far I as was. cheerleaders go before you even tried, right? Right. I was so career-minded in my 20s. I actually didn't try out until 31, wow. until I was 31 years old, mm. which is is old, for, uh, you know, your typical NFL cheerleader. <laughs> I mean, you say that, and I think, that's not old at all. That's, oh, well, for now, your cheer. Okay, now I got you. It's yeah. funny, because now I look back, and when I was 31, I'm like, what I wouldn't give to be, you know, or ch- revisit 31 again. But yeah. I cheered at 32 and 33 wow. years old. So that, not not your typical age, but boy, I wouldn't take it back. Yeah, and you've, I believe, called this um, the most... Uh, I, yes, I know, Keith. What's the phrase? Making that team uh-huh. was the most rewarding nightmare I've ever been through. Wow. It really was. That's cool. Because the first year that I tried out, I was the last one cut the day before squad photo. Oh. So I actually didn't make it my first year. Now, let oh. me tell you, if you think about going through four months of blood, sweat, and tears, and then sitting in Kelly's office and them going, okay, we put a, t- a team together. We have our, our squad photo tomorrow. You're not going to be in it. It's a punch in the stomach, and I. it was hard for me to take at 31 years old. I can't imagine what that's like for an 18-year-old, oh, fresh yeah. out of high school, to deal with that kind of mental beating, because it is. Um, but the yeah. Dallas Cowboys Steelers are the best of the best. You don't go there because everybody's nice and sweet. You go there, and it's very honest, because at the end of the day, there's a bottom line, and those the cheerleaders make a lot of money for the Dallas Cowboys. And it's a business. Yeah. And they need the best of the best. They need the right person in all 36 spots. Do you ever find yourself in kind of like when some of these girls are trying out, do they ever use you as a resource? Yeah, they reach out a lot. I actually, so I was on seasons one and two of Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders making the team. Oh, wow. I need to send that. I have a best of that people have been putting on uh, Facebook. I've got to send it to you. I think you will get a real kick out of it. (laughs) It's pretty funny. Now that we're in season 15, I've actually worked on the show as a producer Oh wow! for several years now. Okay. And so I get to work, hopefully again this year, on the show as a producer. And it's going to be just as exciting as ever. Awesome. If you like that kind of competition. Mm-hmm. I do. All right. I'm, I'd much rather be behind the scenes watching it happen than, be, than getting on a scale on television. Oh, no. <laughs> Trying to make a team. Oh, no. Okay. I like it better now. So you had these life goals growing up. You wanted to be a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. Um, did life, and, and you obviously accomplished that goal. Uh, eventually. Eventually. But did life in general, it never seems for anybody to take the same, the path that you anticipate. You know, you, you've got plans, you've got goals, but they meander. If you ever make it back to your goals, generally speaking, your own life with all that you had set out to do from the beginning, mm-hmm. did you get to accomplish at this point everything that you've wanted to do or is there still stuff out there? Yeah, I, you know, I think everybody has a story, right? And my childhood was tough. I had a really rough childhood um, mm. with m- my mom's an alcoholic and my dad was never in my life. And so when your mom, my mom's an alcoholic, she worked at a bar it's hard to... It's a bad place for an alcoholic to work. It's not a good place. In hindsight, the... 100%. Math doesn't add up there. It does not add up. And so it's hard to really give your children, as a single mom, the attention that they need. Uh-huh. And as a matter of fact, it kind of gives them the wrong attention. Um, but I, I decided as a young child, I remember praying to God, and I, you know, I said, if you'll help me not to end up like this, mm. um, 
then I, like I bargained with God, like you can do that. But you know, when you're 12, you think you really can. And he's going to be like, no, you're good. You're good. Okay. Now that you've made this deal with me, but I told him I wouldn't drink, smoke or have sex before I was married. That was my deal. I was like, okay, just don't let me end oh, up. Good. Yeah. And you lived up to that, right? Yeah. Actually, I don't. I don't drink, and I and I. And I mean, I don't. I, I still to this day I don't drink or smoke. That's awesome. <laughs> but I really, I, you know what? I was super focused on when I when I said this earlier about okay, my goal is to graduate from high school uh-huh. and then to go to college and somehow put myself through college because I didn't have anybody to help me mm-hmm. put myself through college. Um, I had to figure it out and then you know get a job and then. Something I said earlier was become an independent woman. That was what was so important to me mm-hmm. would be that I would never have to depend on anybody, a man, the government, anybody, I, that I would be able to to survive on my own. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, a, that's so, a great goal. So my path, while I, I had all those goals, um, that worked out because I stayed focused and I yeah. I didn't get lost. Not that I didn't make stupid mistakes because, I mean, who doesn't? I mean, mm-hmm. that's part of life. But I did always try to keep my eyes on the prize, stay focused, and then in my 30s ended up on the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. There you go. And, and you described yourself, uh, I think, as a church bus kid, right? Yes. So what does that entail? So that, that I'm glad you brought that up. When I, was a, when I was a little girl and in that home situation, um, the pastor and pianist and the pastor's wife had this bus that they would – pick kids up and take us to church. It was a small church in Evergreen, Texas, um, called the Evergreen Church. And I got to be a bus kid and they would pick me up every Sunday and every Wednesday to go to church. And that gave me a foundation for my own spiritual growth um, where that where I learned how to bargain with God, um, <laughs> you know, about what I wanted to be and how, where, how I wanted to get there. Um, I, I'm a firm believer in you know, there, there's a lot of things that you choose in life. Actually, most everything. You chose this morning, Keith, to wear a beanie on your head. I choose that every morning. Thank you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, cho- you chose to work here. Mm-hmm. You chose where you went to college. You pick a lot of things. The one thing that you didn't pick were your parents. That was God's job. Mm-hmm. And um, God allowed allowed me to have my mom and my and my dad for one for one reason. So I knew I must be there because that's exactly that's where he divinely wanted me to be. That's cool. Which gave me the basis of putting in my head just because this is where I am doesn't mean this is where I have to end up. And so either I use this as a crutch and say, "Oh, poor America, feed me. Give me food stamps. Do the, you know, give me this." Or I use it as a stepping stone. And I say, "Okay, I'm going to figure out how to go to college. I'm not the smartest." I don't have any money. I don't have any parents to help me, but I'm going to still figure it out. And that's what, so instead of a crutch, I used it as a stepping stone for me to get where I am. Now, that doesn't mean that people didn't help me my whole way. As a matter of fact, the government did help me. They gave me a Pell Grant because I didn't have any parents to help. But I feel like tenfold, I've paid that back. And I would happily pay that back. I took out loans from banks, but you figure it out. So that's kind of my... My slogan is you figure, just figure it out. Figure it out. Figure it out. Yep. You can make good. it work. I like that. You got to fight. Figure it out. That's good bumper stickers. Yes. I'm going to make that. And now I'll tell you, my mom and I are super close these days. Oh, good. And it, it was a really good. rough childhood. I mean, she knows that. It was, she put us in situations we shouldn't have been in. But I'm really blessed to have a really fun and loving relationship with her. She's 74 now. And I think to myself, with the life she lived, and she'll be honest, she was in Playboy. Mm. She was a partier. Mm. She did drugs. She, you know, had extracurricular activities. And fr- it was it was not good. I told her that when she dies, I'm donating her body to either Ripley's Believe It or Not <laughs> or the Smithsonian or just science because she shouldn't be alive. And she, my mom would be like, no, you're right. Like she <laughs> she admits, she's like, I don't know how I did it. I'm like, how are you alive with this life that you've led? So wow. I'm I'm thankful that we're now a situation That's where you so have that good. relationship. That's so great. And we've gone through all of your jobs. However, there's still one job we haven't discussed that I am... Porn. Absolutely... No. Oh, okay. There's one job... No, I didn't do that. I'm kidding. Okay. Um, there's one <laughs> job that you've had... There's one job that you've had that um, absolutely I'm jealous of. 
and it's your involvement with the NFL draft. I have <clears throat> had the honor of working with the NFL during the draft for the last two years. I mean, seriously, that is like my favorite day of the year is the NFL draft. And when it came here to Dallas and I got to go, Stu and I went down there. That was so much fun. How magical was that? that I mean, it's, that is a, it is palpable. Yes. Yeah. That yeah, room. That's a good word. Yeah. It is. Mm-hmm. And I get to be, so I got to be kind of um, help in the production department during the on air. So do you remember the super fans? So each it's team a, yeah, okay. has super fans where they are all yeah, how dressed does that happen? out. How do you get to be a super fan and be involved like down there? How's I that? mean, you're tatted up with Cowboys gear. You're not even an NFL person. What? I'm so glad you know me. Are you kidding me? I mean, which team, though? The Atlanta Falcons. Okay. Anyway, I so. Am, I, I, hello. Just let's, let's put pause for a second right, here. All right. Uh, hi, my name is Keith, and I am <laughs> an Atlanta Falcons super fan. Hold on. As you're sitting there saying, well, you don't even. You're not even an NFL person. <laughs> See, normally, my stuff would be on display, but uh, I'm not allowed to put it on camera anymore. There. Oh, there there's, it is. There's my Falcons helmet. Uh huh. There's my little mini Falcons guy. Do you oh, have a, Do you have a Falcons tat? I don't. Well, that's next. No, it's never. Never. No tattoos ever. (laughs) Anyhow. Okay. Well, so you, to be an Atlanta Falcons fan, super super fan, fan, Uh you're you're that guy that is at the game with the big bubble head helmet and the makeup. You're right. I wouldn't be super fan. And you know, like, every fact. Okay. Well, that I could handle. Okay, about the Falcons' history. Absolutely. And what the score was in 2007. You're talking to the guy who knows where he was for every Falcons game since I've been alive. Okay, you then then you start dressing the part? No, I didn't do it. Okay, then we're out. Okay. All right, then you're done. Yeah. So, so these I'm not guys, invited. <laughs> well, you could try. Okay. But these guys are, are very much dressing the part. And so when they, when they become, when it comes time for the Atlanta Falcons to have their draft pick. Yeah. You'll see some B-roll of the cam. The camera will go to these super fans who are like, "Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about." Yeah, yeah. So I'm in charge of those fans. Okay. And making sure yep. they're hyped up, making sure they're in their chairs. That's awesome. Making sure they're not getting too, you know, happy with their <laughs> too much drinking. Too much drinking. Uh huh. Um, and so, if they are, we'll put them to the back. <laughs> Whatever. So you're, so you're for the Cowboys super fans. Then, so right? I got chosen. It, this was. Just, I got lucky. I'm in charge of the, I was in charge of the Cowboys and the Giants fans. So, who are right. Why are they hooking the? Well, because it's NFC. So, NFC East, they keep all four teams together. Okay. For each AFC, NFC I was going to say, that almost seemed like a conflict of interest, but now I understand. Well, 100% it's just good TV. Also, I mean, these these groups of fans are right next to each other. So you've got the Cowboys, the Giants. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right at each other's faces and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Eagles, which is, ugh, you know, you got to. So if the camera's on me and I'm dressed up in all the Falcons gear and stuff, mm-hmm. it's not a good time for me to say, as the pick is about to be announced, don't screw this up again, Thomas Dimitrov. I That's mean, the GM for the Falcons. No? They're going to probably not want you to say that. <laughs> okay. Now, if you, with all of your NFL connections, okay, if you could, my dream job, okay. my dream job has always been since I was about 12 years old, is I want to be one of the guys in the room with the, at the time when I was a kid and I heard, I, I heard a guy um, who was an NFL schedule maker uh-huh. and he talked about how in this room they have a big whiteboard and him and a few other guys lock themselves in a room and they make the NFL schedule. Now it's a supercomputer, okay? Sure. And they're constantly generating NFL schedules and going through them line by line to make sure that, you know, the Browns aren't on the road five times in a row. Right. Or that, that you know, and, and they have to plug in dates of when concerts are in the venues and they can't okay. be at home for those games. I want to be that nerd that is locked inside a room in Manhattan for months with these other guys coming up with the NFL schedule. So if you if you ever rub shoulders with someone like that, please, please, yeah. I'm begging you. I definitely have zero pull for that. However, yeah, might, I could probably get, get you an internship logging tape. Wow. Wow. You know how to cut deep, don't you? <laughs> okay. So um, tell- I wish I had that kind of pull. How about if, 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 if I find out they're looking for another like producer for that? Sure. 
Like, would you like go to would help you go? with the super fans? Yes. Oh, would you go? Yeah, yeah. Come on. Let's go. I hate the <laughs> Saints, but you guys cheer. Nope. Yeah. No, you can't say that. Oh, shoot. Okay. I know. What uh, if they put you in charge of the Falcons? Uh, that that would be yes, please. You would just be on. I would jump in front of the camera with them. Yes. <laughs> yes. You'd be like, bucket list. You have three kids? Three kids. Tell me about them. So we have Bradley, who's 12. And then we have two 10-year-old girls, Sarah and Maddox, who are in the fifth grade. Okay. We are a blended family. Mm-hmm. So I brought one. He brought two. Okay. And there <laughs> we are. Just one big happy family. But we've been, the, when we met, the girls were three. So, and now they're 10. So. Wow. Yeah. So do you apply that same standard to being a parent that you talked about earlier of, of like, depend on yourself, you know, stop depending on everybody or expecting someone to bail you out? Do you kind of apply those rules to raising kids? That's a great question because you, there's a balance, right? Where how how much do you want to provide for your children and spoon feed them? And how much do you want them to realize what real life right. is like? So mm-hmm. um, I feel like my husband and I have a – we try to have a, a solid balance of how much we protect them and how much we don't. For yeah. example, one of the 10-year-olds has a project – that was due like 10 days ago. We just found out about this and she has a zero. Now they're going to give her a grace period and let her turn it in late. We never got that, but she gets that chance. Right? Yes. Thank you. No, I never got that. Grace period, redo, whatever. No, it's a zero that brings your average down for the rest of the semester. Thank you. So when I saw the zero and why, and she told, I said, why haven't you turned this in? Give them a chance. She admitted that she hadn't, just hadn't done it. I lit into her, I'm not going to lie, and I said, you are going to stay up until this is 100% done. Well, what if it's like 1030? I don't <laughs> care. I don't care if you don't sleep at all tonight. You don't get to go through life just going, uh, I didn't do it. And, you know, part of me wants to swoop in there and help her read the book and help her write the notes because she does have dyslexia. Mm. So you want to help. I don't care, though. I, it, that's that's where I feel like we're failing as a society when we right. bail people out. So she even came in late, pretty late, to the bed, and she to my side of the bed, and she was like, I'm really tired. And I said, you should have thought about that before you decided to be 10 days late on, a, okay. on, on something you should have turned in. You don't get to do that. Mm-mm. And I promise you in the real world, you don't get a redo. They don't care. They'll move on to somebody who's more qualified and can get the job done. There you go. So I, I think we're, we're, I feel like we're pretty, my husband's military, mm-hmm. went to West Point, was a Black Hawk pilot, served our country. He's very militant when it, when it comes to <laughs> stuff like that. So he's not going to bail anybody out and he's like, suck it up, buttercup. Awesome. And I, I, I think we're both kind of that way. Okay. All right. So tell me about your husband because uh, you guys own uh, like a family business that I have got to visit you Tell have me. to mm. my husband and my brother-in-law own texas gun experience nice and it is a brand new thirty-five thousand square foot gun range and retail store right in the heart of grapevine texas so mm. if you may and it's on main street so if you're at main street and 114 you can see texas gun experience give the uh, web address what's your web address texasgunexperience.com texasgunexperience.com and hmm? they have full auto friday so you go in on Fridays, and there's a wall of machine guns, and you get to pick whichever one you want to shoot, and all you have to pay for is the magazine. How awesome would that be for a date night? Uh, totally awesome. Now, and, and the magazine's only 20 bucks. Uh-huh. I'm not going to lie. It's like, brr, and then that's $20 gone because it's a machine gun, but it's so worth it, and Feels what a great, great way to Feels spend yeah. money. There's a Gatling gun there. Okay. You can shoot See? that. There's also brand new, there's a mini gun. It's $500 to shoot that one because it's... People should fly to Dallas just to go to the Texas Gun Experience. And come, yes, and come see me. Let us know you're going to be there. I'll come up there and shoot with you. As a matter of fact, it is right next to DFW Airport. So a lot of people will fly in and they'll have a layover or some downtime. They will grab an Uber because it's only like a two-minute drive from the <laughs> airport over to Texas Gun Experience. That's awesome. They'll come in and they'll shoot a little bit. And you don't have to bring anything. We have all the guns provided for That's you, cool. all the ammo, all the gear that you need. The only thing you probably should do <laughs> is prepare yourself to go through security and have a little bit more time because there's going to probably be lead on your hands. Yes. <laughs> They're going to stop you, That's no funny. doubt. And no you could even give them a heads up if you want, but it's so worth it. I'm not a real big machine gun person. I didn't serve our country, and so that's not a fix I need. <laughs> but I love, <laughs> I go up there at least once or twice a week, and I shoot my handgun. That's awesome. Um, and what is your husband's name? Joseph. Joseph? How did you meet Joseph? 
We met on Match. Aww. I know. You were a match. Match.com. Match.com. <laughs> That's cool. No, it was it was so romantic. I thought maybe he was going to catfish me or something because he was really handsome and <laughs> came with all these accolades and Ivy League education. I was like, oh, no way. Oh. But he was legit. That's awesome. I know. That's really He's good. a pretty awesome guy. And before I forget, what's your uh, Twitter handle if anyone wants to follow you here? I am Natalie Woods 22 on Instagram. We've talked about this. I don't even... What is my Twitter, Keith? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Make me look this that. up in the middle of this. Yep, Natalie. You are uh, Natalie Woods 22. Oh, you know see? Uh, it must be the same or something on Instagram. And on Twitter. So my Twitter and Instagram are Natalie Woods 22. Okay. Natalie Woods 22. Look and for And you said you were going to make me better at right, using I'll, Twitter more. I'll, I'll work on that. I don't tweet as much i do instagram and i do facebook but i need to be better at tweeting actually i just go to your page and retweet what you (laughs) oh that's that's helpful that's good what is the last song that you have listened to on repeat honestly yeah honestly no lie to me i know i work out a lot and so i i really like rap (laughs) when i'm working out then not honestly (laughs) no i know i think it's like t-pain body work now let me see that body work. No, okay. booty work. It's booty work. <laughs> I am not. Uh, you asked. I know. I wish familiar. I could say it was praise and worship because I love Jesus, but I do like rap. <laughs> so let me see that booty work, booty work, booty, booty, booty. Anyway. I refuse to look up while you're singing that. It's a good song. Okay, very good. It get, listen, do you not like listening to like music that gets you going during a workout? Yeah, but. Rap doesn't do anything for Rap me. Rap doesn't? Okay, no, well. Oh, no. You uh, obviously have never tried out for the Dallas Cowboys Shooters. <laughs> that is uh, affirmative. Okay, now turn away from the microphone when you demonstrate your hidden talent, which is your very, very loud. Oh, I can whistle really loud. Yeah, uh-huh. I was camp counselor, so it was oh, one way to get attention of the kids. Do you want me to whistle? Well, let's uh, wait for the microphone. I that's uh, that's Was intense. That loud? No, that's intense. It's loud. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. It took me a while to learn how to do that. Anything, Passed out a few times. Anything on your bucket list uh, that you're hoping to do in your lifetime? Uh, I like to travel. I really, really want to go to Bora Bora. Okay. Tahiti. Yeah. Yeah. I want to check out that. Okay. That right. part of the world. I've never been there. That'd anywhere be near. I wonder how long of a flight that is. It's long. That's a, it's it's. That's, you make a connection in Hawaii. Probably. Oof. I think that's exactly right. Oof. Yeah, it's also expensive. Yeah. So we're gonna need to sell a lot more guns. Yeah. Uh, Texas. <laughs> TexasGunExperience.com. Texas All right. right. Make make Natalie's bucket list happen. That's right. Keep Republicans in the office, <laughs> <laughs> so we can uh, still sell guns. That's right. That's right. All right. Natalie Wood Stanier. Thank you so much for making time. You can check her out on uh, Chad Prather's show. I guess he's WatchChad.com. Uh huh. WatchChad.com. Go there. Check her out. And thanks again. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. This has been At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Look for At The Mic Show on Twitter to connect.